Welcome back. It's the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. We're on episode 17, and I have the pleasure of introducing my friend Felicia Sokol, who is originally from the States, New York area, and she is a plant medicine psychonaut juggernaut has been through multiple ayahuasca ceremonies. She brings her plant medicine experience into the care of women in childbirth. She is self-described as a nomadic birth educator, midwife, doula, etc. She just completed some midwifery training in southern Spain at De, uh, at Dalus <laughs> midwifery training. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. She'll probably smack me around later for that one. But um, she's become a good friend of mine. We met through the social media spaces and she does a lot of work within the wise women's space you know honoring menstruation honoring childbirth holding sort of space and reverence for the co-creative process that is childbirth and, and I love her for that she's been a great mentor to me and a great friend and it's kind of a no-brainer that she would come on the show because we need more voices like hers in this space so all of the ways that you can contact her will be available at the end of the show, as well as in the show notes. All you have to do is sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Felicia Sokol. All right, I'm here with Felicia Sokol, my friend. This is the Holistic OBGYN. We're doing another one of our Three, three Things podcasts. Um, Felicia, welcome. It's so good to see you and to be talking with you live action here instead of I know. Marco Polo and everything else. So um, I know. It's great. Hi, yeah. Nathan. Hi. Tell everybody about a little bit about yourself and your background and how we got to know each other. Yeah. Okay. So um, I am a nomadic birth keeper, I guess you could say. I am nomadic around Europe. I am from the States originally. I'm from New York. And yeah, I've been traveling around Spain basically since March 2020, which is kind of ironic because that's when most people oh, yeah. stop traveling. But I think it's the most amount of traveling I've done. And um, yeah, I've been around Spain. I did some holistic midwifery course in the south of Spain called Dataluz, which was great. And I've been attending births in different locations. And yeah, pretty soon I go to Denmark. So I'm, yeah, definitely a traveling birth keeper. And how we know each other. I'm, I'm, I do some other stuff too, but you can find that all out on my website. Like for, for the subject, I'm a birth keeper. Um, and yeah, so we know each other because when I was doulaing in New York, just sort of my birth keeping foundations was New York City. I saw you on a bunch of podcasts or heard you on a bunch of podcasts. I just saw you popping up and I was like, this guy's cool. I need to contact him. So like as strange <laughs> as, as it is, I think I met you via Instagram, but we could say via this birth world. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Instagram is definitely what comes to mind for me. And then, and then we exchanged a whole bunch of, we've just continued to stay friends and to learn from one another. And um, I'm very blessed yeah. to have you in my life. You're a really cool, cool lady. So I feel exactly the same. Yeah. So you asked me three really great questions. Oh yeah! Um, Before we get into that, let's do the uh, yeah. breath. Let's do our breath together. Ready? Oh, yeah. Do you want to oh, count yeah. it down? Mm -hmm. From five. Okay. Okay. So five, relaxing. Four, just getting comfortable in your body. 
three, letting go of some thoughts, two, letting go of more thoughts, and one, really deep breath. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right, the question for you, the ball's in your court, Miss Felicia Sokol. What are three yeah. things you want the world to know about caring for women? As a birth keeper, as a mother, or as a, you're not a mother, as a, not yet anyways, as a partner, as a daughter, as a, what, as a human, speak yeah. your mind. I first approached this question as a birth keeper, as a do, it doesn't matter if you call me birth keeper or doula, I, I don't care what people call me, that's the word I use, but they're all just labels, so birthkeeper doula, but I approached this, um, as a birthkeeper, this question, and then I just approached it as a human and what I want the world to know. Um, cause it spans so far outside of just birth. But yeah, so the first one is meet her where she's at. So this is pretty simple, but I think we're living in a time where people are really, really, really attached to their opinions and ideologies and dogmas. And I think if you're really to serve a woman, you really have to let go of your ideologies and your dogma. Because I can, maybe, maybe I'm really like for low risk women, I'm like, oh my God, home birth is something to be celebrated. Let's do it. But, and then I might be talking to a woman who's completely low risk, but she's not, she doesn't want it, whether she can wrap her head around it or for whatever reasons, but it's not for me to convince her otherwise. It's like, I have to meet her where she's at with her beliefs, with everything. And mm. from a place of non-judgment. Right. And I think this is like any, any care provider in the world servicing, being of service is not to try to convince people to go the way that you think is best. I might have that feel. I might be like, maybe sometimes something I might say is I'm listening to her and her preferences and I might suggest something because it might be true. And I say, hey, it sounds to me like you might be interested in a home birth. Is that something you've considered? And maybe it's not. And maybe I just introduced it, but it's not for me mm-hmm. to get her to want to do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's just these, you. I mean, I know you see it in the birth world, these like ideologies and these dogmas. I mean, I guess it exists in medicine and in the whole world, mm. but I think as a birth keeper, you have to let go of that. And even if there was, even if I'm serving a hospital birth, let's say, and it's her preference to have like a pretty intervention-free birth. She wants to give birth naturally. And and maybe in a moment she really wants an epidural and and that's totally fine. And I need to meet her. Like I also have to use my intuition if she's asking for that in truth or she's scared or something and to work through that it's not for me to know automatically but to work through that and so and if she if she wants that epidural then great have it like I don't need to be her warrior and I think this is where this idea of the this is like old paradigm stuff which to me is like victim perpetrator and hero Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not anyone's hero and so, like, I'm mm. just here to support. We're all our own heroes. Yeah, there's so much, so much wisdom. I mean, really, what you've just captured is exactly what we need more of in order for maternity care to change worldwide, but particularly in our country, or at least where you 
were born. You may never even come back to the United States for all I know. <laughs> no, I got to come back for a visit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You have to come back for me. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> um, yeah, there's so much, there's so much wrapped up in that single point. Um, and it, it, I don't even know if it, if it's only applicable in birth, in, in birth keeping. It's like the guy on the subway who, for whatever reason, is having a hard time, you know, I mean, uh, it's not your job to be the hero here. It's really your job to kind of hold space for the process. And, um, and you're right. Sometimes your intuition does tell you that if you have a skill set or whatever else, Hey, maybe this would be, maybe I could lend this to you. Maybe I can be mm -hmm. supportive of you, but again, it's a layer of support. It's not that you're jumping in to control something that, you know, you can't mm -hmm. control. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, I think that when we, when we, um, violate that basic notion, I think that's actually the source of a lot of people's trauma in birth or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. And just like, I can see that, oh, maybe she has some beliefs that don't belong to her and maybe I can be helpful and help her unravel those or see what those are, but I'm not here to know exactly what they are and take exactly what you said and control. Yeah. yeah that's so true. Wow. And it's okay. It's okay if she has a birth that, that, that she had, <laughs> maybe it wasn't exactly her preference, but did I like, it's, did I meet her there? Like, was I just there meeting her where she was at, not where I needed her to be at or where I'm at? I think mm. that's the, we compare a lot to where we are at thinking we're so far ahead. And often a lot of, hopefully a lot of people are advanced or advancing in their own evolution, but yeah. I, that doesn't make me a hero. And also what's ahead. Everybody has a different path and a different understanding of things. There is no ahead. Yeah. So yeah, I think really meeting her Beautiful. where she's at, and that has to do with compassion and listening. Mm -hmm. And it's a fine line. It's hard. And I think the most important thing to do is like, I'm saying this, like I'm good at it. I hope I'm good at it, but I have to constantly check myself. Yeah. Yeah. constantly. And I think it's a constant thing. If you're not constantly checking yourself, okay, wait, am I meeting this person where they're at? Or am I pushing my own? It's so human to, to just push your own thing, even subconsciously. So just constantly checking yourself as a care. It, it would be the same for a shaman. Like you can get your ego wrapped up when you get really skilled at working with energy and stuff. And it's like, you have to, it is a constant, you have to always check yourself because we are not immune to our ego playing games on us. No one is. Yeah. That's the work right there. Absolutely. Mm. All right. So that's a very succinct first point. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Meet birthing or all people where they're at. Um, yeah. And, and that check-in process, man, I'm going to, I'm going to take that one. I'm going to steal that yeah. one from you. Yeah. Um, Especially when it comes to the political climate today too. That's a very difficult one, but trying to apply that point to friends and family who oh may God. not see eye to eye. It is so difficult, but it's What's that, that old adage. Like if you, if you want to grow spiritually, like spend more time with your mom or your mother-in-law. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, it's exactly. so true. So real quickly in the middle of this conversation, I want to insert a little ad about our sponsor waveblock at waveblock.com you can get these very very cool stickers that go around your earbuds that mitigate the influences of the radiation put out by these bluetooth devices if you're familiar with lynn mctaggart's work rupert sheldrake listen to paul check's podcast he has a lot of guests on there that talk about 
the influences of 5G and all the other electromagnetic frequencies, um, which which have a radiation effect on our brains, our bodies, you'll you'll understand that there's something really to this, right? And when I was in medical school, I remember talking to a group of neurologists about this, and they were like, "Yeah, at that time, there's not a lot of evidence for it, but we're not putting a cell phone holding it near our heads for a prolonged period of time. There's inevitably detrimental effects of that." And so now the world is starting to come around to this idea. And fortunately, there's companies like Waveblock out there that are producing these products that will help mitigate those effects. So Waveblock makes these stickers that will wrap around the earbud stocks. And they make these stickers that are available for pre-order right now that go right onto your cell phones themselves so that you don't have to worry about the effects of this, of this radiation um, as you're using your phone throughout the day. So... You know, some people are like, I don't want to have a phone anymore. Bad EMF, this and that. Well, our phones are also super important. They're like really, really important tools in our lives. We all love having our phones with us. So while you're listening to your podcast, Audible, whatever, audiobooks, that type of thing, you can mitigate the effects of the EMF from your Bluetooth devices quite simply by going to waveblock.com and ordering some of their stuff. And if you input the coupon code BELOVED, you'll save 10%. Their uh, stickers for cell phones are available pre-order. I believe they'll be starting to be available early December. So they're going to make great gifts for everybody in your life who cares about this type of stuff. So go to waveblock.com, support our sponsor, support our show. We love you. Let's get back to the conversation with Felicia. All right, Felicia, what's your second point? What's your second one? The second point, I... Yeah, I had two. At first, I called it Foundations Matter, but I think that's kind of funny. I'm going to call it Consider the Whole Picture. Mm. This is, yeah. So, you know, so many times as a care provider, we have all these statistics and all these boxes that we put people in without considering the whole picture. And this spans from very obvious things from like nutrition, lifestyle, how stressed is she, to like, you know, well, What's her relationship with her partner if there is one? What's her relationship to her mother? What's, and I'm not saying you have to go there and understand it all and fix it all again, no. But just being able to observe the whole picture and consider the whole picture as an important thing because we have things like if you're over the age of 35, your eggs might deteriorate and have all these other, you know, and it's like, okay, I understand that was a statistic taken somewhere, but did that statistic consider anything important? Like, you know, because if this woman is 39 years old and she's lived an extremely healthy lifestyle with really healthy oh, yeah. partnerships, she takes a lot of time for herself. She has a really balanced life. Her 39-year-old eggs compared to a 31-year-old's eggs who has been stressed since she was 14 years old. You know, what, what yeah. you know, yeah. it's not, it's a, not about, oops, I hit 35. Suddenly, I guess I'm, my eggs yeah. are <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's really simple, but also considering the whole picture, like when we ask things like, well, how's your stress in life? And you could ask that as a doula or you, or you could at least observe it. You could, I'm sure you ask it as a doctor, but it's like, they go, oh yeah, good. First of all, what kind of job people are addicted to stress? People mm. are, people were mm-hmm. born into stress and they don't know anything else. Yeah. So when they say, oh yeah, it's good. When they're working 12 hour days and they always have, they don't know anything else. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, so when we ask that question, we have to understand who we're asking it to. 
Yeah, which again kind of even goes back into your first point. It's like, let's let's meet this person where they're at. Like, don't like we can't just put these protocolized ways of treating people, whether again, whether it's in birth or not, you can't just put everybody into a neat package. That's not that's not how it works. It doesn't work anywhere in nature. Why would we be different? Yeah, it's exactly, you said the analogy with the carrot once, like if you took apart a a carrot (laughs) into all its little pieces and then tried to put it back together, it wouldn't be a carrot. It's It's not a carrot anymore. (laughs) And it's this, and I mean, this, this goes into the broader picture, which is all, I think all my points are really just points about how humanity behaves or how we behave as a society as a whole. And like, I mean, birth is life, same with death, you know? So it's like, you, yeah. Who who are we dealing with? And also like, where does this even start? Where does this work even start of considering the whole picture? If we're living in a society that values stress, that doesn't know anything other than right. stress, right. um, we're living in a society that, you know, is so reductionist and so materialist. We're so disconnected. This will go more into my third point, but like, and also how are we, we you know, it doesn't start with birth and it doesn't end with birth. So where does this work, considering the whole picture, really even begin? We're talking about things like nutrition and stress, Mm -hmm. but then it's like, well, what about choosing a partner? And and I'm not saying this with judgment because sometimes we didn't. Sometimes we end up pregnant and we didn't think that would be our partner or anything, and that's totally fine. And that that can be just as beautiful as anything else. But even just choosing people to be into, like, what are what are our relationship patterns? How is, how is this woman, let's say she is partnered and not single. What, what's that foundation between her and her partner? Because that's going to play a huge role. Absolutely. You know, and we're just like, oh, the man over there, he could be really nice. He could be awful, but that's huge. That's a huge bit. You're bringing a person into the world with probably two parents. And her birth is going to, what is she saying to you? How is she making her choices? Like, what's the dynamic in their relationship? And I'm, again, this isn't something to fix mm. as a care. It's just something to consider mm-hmm. when you're mm-hmm. looking at a person. Yeah, I was um, Charles Eisenstein, who you and I have shared sort mm. of a fan club membership over. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he and I just spoke on his podcast yesterday, and he called me out on on the the notion of lifestyle change. And he's like, well, yeah, like you could make a person healthy using diet and nutrition and sleep and all that other stuff. Yeah, that's great. But what about like the other, like, what about the society that we're living in and the relationships and the connections that they have in their life? Like it it isn't just you doing those things in a cave somewhere and making yourself Mm -hmm. optimally healthy, which Mm -hmm. actually kind of takes us into your third point. Let's just dive right into that. You mentioned something about isolation. Go ahead. Let's, Let's talk about that too. My third point is we're not designed for isolation. We didn't evolve in isolation. It's not how we're built as humans. I mean, just as humans. And you can imagine birth has to do with um, the continuation of humanity. So we're not designed for isolation. So there's a few points here. The first one is, yeah, this bigger, this bigger question that you were talking about with like Eisenstein and you. And it's like, well, we are sort of trained to live in these like family units, which is great and beautiful. I support the family unit, you know, 
And then it's like in a box, maybe in a city, or like in this little place. And then we go to work over here. And then mm. we go sh- grocery shopping over here. And again, everything's compartmentalized. And right. then so the birth process is has sort of on a in a modern way been designed for that too, because it's going to reflect our society. So women have a baby, maybe the midwife is there, you know, right after the birth, maybe she doesn't have a, or probably she doesn't have a doula. Most people don't, or, or a postpartum doula. Um, maybe she doesn't have a good relationship to her mother or her mother-in-law. So she's just there. Her husband goes to work the next day, the next week, the next month, whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. she's alone in a box mm-hmm. with a baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, This is not normal. This is common. <laughs> This is common because this is how we're set up, unfortunately, but this is not normal and it's not natural. And I'm not saying people don't want their alone time, but like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're totally right. The, the compartmentalization of our, of our lives is reflected in the compartmentalization of, of everything in our society within medicine. Like the guy who looks at the kidneys isn't communicating with the guy who takes care of the uteroplacental unit, doesn't care, take care of the lung doctor or whatever. And you get this like frazzled mess that is not reflective in any way of our nature. It's just not natural to be isolated. And I know that you're probably thinking this as well when you're writing this, but like even in the current state of affairs with COVID and everything, like sure there's, there's bad things out there, but is our me being isolated from everybody and optimizing my health? Is that really the whole thing. And of course it's not, but in this reductionist view of what it means to be yeah. human, where we're separate from everything, it's just you, Felicia, and you alone. Yeah. Doesn't really, obviously it doesn't, nobody believes in that, but we all continue to just do that and um, not realizing we're not getting, you know, not understanding why we're not getting the outcomes that we hope, which is a thriving, yeah. more beautiful world. <laughs> I think the foundation to humanity and even nature and just existence is interconnection. Mm-hmm. So how could we take that out from birth? Mm-hmm. It's the most interconnected process ever. You could say right. between the mother and the baby, but then what about the partner? And what about their family? And what about their friends and their bigger communities? This is like everything. Yeah, It's yeah. so interconnected. And yeah, it's just, it's wild. And then we have things like um, postpartum depression, which I'm not saying wouldn't exist if we lived in a utopia. Maybe it still would. Don't get me wrong. But it's this thing. Oh yeah, it's normal to get it. To ju- yes, it's common. Mm-hmm. Is it nor? Is it normal? I I can't give a definitive answer. But or is that a reflection of so many different things? But coming down to this like point of isolation. Yeah, that normal versus common. I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, that how often do we apply that? to every facet of society where it's like for people to be postpartum depression is a perfect example. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's and- like, it's like uh, abnormal periods or something too. It's like, it's not common to have debilitating pelvic pain every month. Like that's, I'm sorry, it's not normal. Or it's to not have normal, that, yeah. but it's common for a lot of women. And then we and lump why? them into this strange syndrome, this endometriosis or something. And they're kind of just left thinking like, oh, well, a lot of people have this. So I guess yeah. this is normal. Well, it's common, but it's not normal. That's an yeah, extreme, exactly. extremely important distinction. Exactly. And then there's even something like, I think this is also really important with for any woman who might ever have a baby or is going to, or has had and wants more. There's this, all those, 
also this idea of free birth, because also we do live in, I mean, there, the system is very broken and sometimes it's hard for some people to find the right support for them, or they don't believe they can afford it. I have a lot to say on that too, or whatever it might be. And so they go to free birth because the hospital is such shit or they have trauma. And that's really sad that that, 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 I'm, don't get me wrong. I think a free birthing is for you. It could be the most empowering, amazing thing ever. Right. You could be right. like, I know my body. This is for me. And that's where that choice should be coming from. Should that choice be made? But I think it's really sad. And I'm not putting this on the women. I'm putting this on, like, again, the world that we live in, that somebody would choose to birth in isolation if that's, or, you know, mm. or to, or, you know, I know they might feel that nature supports them and the spirit support them or their partner supports them. And that's beautiful too. So I shouldn't say isolation, but maybe not without the support that they actually really do want and yeah. deserve. That's an important, important distinction, right? Yeah. Wow. So, Alicia, yeah. You, you've made three very clear points. <laughs> meet birthing all people where they're at. Birthing, I'm sorry, meet birthing, I put in my own words, all people where they're at. <laughs> Consider the whole picture, and we're not built for isolation. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, there's one more thing with the not built for isolation that I do mm. want to add, and I guess it also goes into this. Consider the whole the whole picture too. Yeah. I'm really into in my in the work that I do. I'm really fond, and I actually think it's really important, which is ritual, um, and community, and I think having these rites of passage, like how do we treat menarche, which is the, mm. if people don't know that word, it's the first period. Mm. How do we treat menopause? How do we treat finishing breastfeeding? Are the children jumping over the fire? Are we celebrating these rites of passages and being witnessed as we walk through them? And that mm. goes for birth, obviously. Mm -hmm. How can we, even though we don't live in this perfect utopia, if we're serving women or friends with women or whatever, how can we create even little rituals, whatever it might be to just acknowledge and witness this important life of event as a rite of passage and same for fathers. I don't want to leave them out either or siblings. Mm. Wow, beautiful. And I think that that goes to the isolation thing. Being witnessed is super important. You were wise beyond your years, Felicia. <laughs> Thank you. You are People, as well. Uh -huh. I'm a, I'm a wannabe at best. Um, <laughs> <Me I'm, too. laughs> I'm fortunate enough to have people like you, a lot of people like you in my life. And, um, I'm very grateful that you came on to do this show with me. Thank you um, so much for I having think, me. Yeah. I think that you and I are going to probably have to have a, a longer podcast at some point to really dig yeah. into some of your birth work. Um, in yeah. the meantime, how, how would you like people to find you and engage with you? Yeah. So the easiest way would be um, my website, which is www.feliciasokol.com. It's my name. I'm not very original. <laughs> so everything I do is there, including all the things that might not even be totally birth related. Like I'm also mm. an astrologer and all this. Basically, I put it all on my website. Um, I do have an Instagram. I'm starting to use it for the birth work a little bit more. It's also my name at Felicia Sokol. And also I do want to share that um, because I do attend births, I guess, no matter, I'm like traveling right now, attending births, but I don't want it to just stop at attending births. You know, I can't just go to every birth and I have so many friends around the world who are giving birth, who have asked me to be there and I can't be at every birth. So 
really, I, I just started offering a holistic childbirth ed course. It's about four hours long. Yeah. That's also on my website. I'm doing that on Zoom. And I really think a lot of the work goes into this education and this preparation. So yeah. you can check that out on my website as well. And then I also have um, an Instagram um, at Wisdom Weavers Podcast. That's my inconsistent but consistently nourishing podcast which is not just <laughs> which is not just birth related but basically i just interview really interesting people with either stories to share or passions um who are just envisioning a higher society and basically the topics will span from birth yeah. death transformation everything in between health spirituality Whatever. I love your I love your yeah. podcast. It's very unique. Um, and of course it doesn't have it doesn't smack of like the, you know, the Joe Rogan, like there's a million downloads <laughs> an episode, but you're 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 like hour-long conversations with people are very pithy. And um, I think it's a real gift to the world. So thank you for doing oh, the work thank you, you do. Thank you so much. And I will we'll be back in touch. We're like we chat almost every Amazing. day. So yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right thank you so much. Yeah, take care. Mm. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. Find more about Felicia at FeliciaSokol.com. I will link that in the show notes. You can also find her on Instagram at Felicia Sokol. And she is the creator of the Red Trace Collective. And she's the host of the Wisdom Weavers podcast. All of those things are easily searchable using the Google or DuckDuckGo machines. But I'll link it all in the show notes for you. So grateful to have had that conversation with her and um, to just bring her voice into this space. We need more birth keepers, true birth keepers, who, who are, are participants in the reverent experience that is childbirth. And so it's for that reason that I find people like Felicia so valuable in this space. As always, the Holistic OBGYN is not a replacement for the medical advice given to you by your doctor. If you'd like medical advice, go find a doctor. I am an educator on this platform, and so anything said here is not to be a replacement to the care provided or the advice given to you by your doctors. All right? If you'd like to support the show, you can go to BelovedHolistics.com to work with me. You can go to HolisticOBGYNPod.com to support the show through Patreon or... Um, to find the show notes and share it amongst everybody. That's the best way you can support these projects. If you like what we're doing, spread the word. My brothers and sisters, we'll see you next time for episode 18 of the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Mm-hmm.